We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 214. Our guest today is a super multi-passionate entrepreneur who notably shares her adventures on her TikTok. She is very TikTok famous in the equestrian world. She has almost 126,000 followers. When she isn't TikToking, she is running her own business called EK Farm Services, where she provides support to farmers. She helps them with licensing and other farm-centric tasks. She also runs her family's horse farm, and she is a fox hunter, or as I find out later in the episode, fox chaser in the U.S., on her horse Scram, helping the fox hunting hounds. She also is a member of her local hunt club. So without further ado, I would love to welcome our guest today, Eden Klutzley. Well, let's start from the beginning. How did you first kind of find yourself in the equestrian world? So probably the same as a lot of people did. My mom put my sister and I in riding lessons probably when I was five or six and the rest was history, so to speak. From there, I just kept riding and my sister and I both still ride today, obviously. And yeah, so basically the same as everyone else <laughs> starts riding. Your parents yeah. lesson, and uh, the rest is history. So awesome! So you graduated college in 2017, correct? Yes. That's um, correct. What did you study? I was a double major in business management and anthropology. So two very different things, but surprisingly, they work pretty well together in a lot of facets. Yeah. How did you go from that to like running a farm with your family and starting your own company and doing your TikTok? Yeah. So I rode my whole life. I've always had horses, but we didn't own our own farm until 2015. So prior to that, we always boarded our horses at different farms. So I was in college at that time. And as a family, we purchased um, a old cattle farm and converted it into a horse farm. And that's where we have had the horses ever since. And it's really just been such a learning experience going from, you wouldn't think it would be super different boarding your horse somewhere, but the things you learn about your horse when you wake up and the first thing you see is your horse out in the field and you learn so much that you didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to like dive into your little, um, I guess like your business within, I guess your personal business a little bit more. You use the tagline millennial farm manager So Mm -hmm. tell me how that came to be. So after I graduated college, I went into the workforce and actually did a lot of different jobs. Mm -hmm. So I worked at a lumber mill at one point. Uh, I ran the finishing shop, which was kind of comical, but it just sort of happened. And from there, I went into working in corporate America for about a year 
And I was a customer service rep, which again is kind of hilarious to think about calling for help and you get me on the phone. Like I'm not super helpful all the time. (laughs) So, (laughs) and then I ended up working for the college that I graduated from, just Washington College. And I think a lot of millennials can relate to that in some, to some extent, because we've all had a dozen different jobs and gone a lot of different ways in your career path. So it's pretty typical for someone in our age bracket to have had a lot of different directions that you go in, as opposed to maybe our parents who sort of have been in the same career for decades at a time. And I do consider myself a millennial. I'm at the tail end. I was born in 95, but I had dial up. So I think that definitely puts me in the that's millennial That's pretty much, category. yeah. That's like the deciding factor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to me, having that millennial mindset, in air quotes, so to speak, is being able to adapt to a lot of different things because in our time that we've been growing up, there have been these crazy advances and changes in technology and just how the world's working. Not that other generations have not experienced changes, but I think it's been to an extreme level in the past two or three decades. Mm -hmm. So being a millennial farm manager is being able to take that old world farming that has kind of more or less been pretty steady for the years leading up to maybe the past two decades to now when there's a lot of things that we have to think about with environmental pressures and stuff like that. There are so many changes in the industry and being able to keep that old style in mind while still attacking the job that you're in with a mindset of change and adaptation as the world is changing so much. And I think any industry can attest to that. There's just so much change going on. Definitely. I know one of your TikToks mentions that according to the USDA, it's like 36% of farmers in the U.S. are women. Do Mm -hmm. you consider yourself a farmer? And what has been your experience as a woman in agriculture? Right. So I would definitely consider myself a farm manager because my clients are farmers or property owners in one way or another. But I think as equestrians or farm horse farm owners, we are sort of in that limbo. Yeah, we own horse farms, but you're not raising a product for consumption or for um, your cash crop use. Horses are, for the most part, recreational to some extent, or for showing, racing, things like that. So if you say to someone who has no involvement in the ag industry, oh, I own a horse farm, I'm a farmer, they'll believe you. But if you say to someone who is maybe a crop farmer, or a sheep farmer. Oh, I own a horse farm. Well, you're not a real farmer. So it's, I definitely see both sides. So I own a farm, but I don't know if I would consider myself a farmer in the t- 
typical sense. Sure. But definitely involved in the ag industry. And as a woman in the ag industry, it's a very complex kind of system and how women are coming up more in the ag world, but there's definitely a lot of room for more involvement mm-hmm. on our part. It seems like there is that you're kind of always fighting a stigma of like what, like even like what you were saying that in certain scenarios, you wouldn't consider yourself a farmer, even though you own a farm. It's just like a, it's a very interesting topic because I think in the very general sense, if you have a farm, like, wouldn't that consider you a farmer, but you know, right. (laughs) Um, But there is kind of that stigma of maybe like levels to it where like, Mm -hmm. oh, if you aren't physically doing the labor, if you're, you know, X, Y, and Z, then maybe you wouldn't be considered one as much. It's definitely very interesting. Oh, for sure. And I mean, anyone who takes care of a horse knows that it's a lot of care and the feeding, the rotational grazing with the pastures, the manure disposal, it's all the same things that a livestock farm would do, except horses, they are technically livestock, but you're not raising them the same way that you would be raising cattle or sheep or goats, chickens, things like that. Mm -hmm. Definitely in a different, but same category. It makes it Complicated, but I think that's fun. Do you have like an in-person community of women in ag? Do you feel like you've kind of grown a separate community of women through TikTok? What has that kind of been like for you? I think that social media platforms have definitely opened a whole new way of communicating with people who work in your industry because If you're like me and you live in a somewhat isolated area, you don't necessarily have a huge pool of people that are like you and do what you do. But with the internet, you can reach almost anyone. I do live in a pretty agro-progressive area in terms of the way that people farm sustainably and things involving permaculture, stuff like that. So there is a small community of women that are in my county or the surrounding counties who I have connected with and can relate to on that level. Yeah, definitely. I mean, whether we have show horses or, you know, like pleasure horses in our backyard on a farm, I think equestrians do rely on the the farming industry, what would you say would be a way that equestrians could like help be supportive towards the ag community? I would say the first thing that comes to mind is when you buy products like hay, you can, and I know it depends on what area you live in. Obviously, if you live in California or probably in Florida, that locally grown hay isn't really an option because of the environment that you're in. Um, And a lot of it has to be shipped in. But for me personally, I buy from a hay farmer that's right in my county. And I know that that goes back into our local economy and it really helps other farmers. 
And even on your day-to-day personal life, not involving your horse, I think, you know, we are all consumers, so you can consume wisely and buy local and just be mindful about where your food is coming from. Mm -hmm. And I do think that especially with the recent supply chain issues that we've been having, people have sort of been forced to become more informed about where their food's coming from, because all of a sudden something's missing from the grocery store and they realize that it came from thousands of miles away. And I think that's, it's not cool that those things are happening, but I think it has been a learning opportunity for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, In addition to your farm management business, you also run your own horse farm in Maryland, correct? Yes. Nice. Oh, so it's a little cold right now. It is cold. Yeah. And winter is hanging on. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't want to let go. Yeah. Tell me what that's like of kind of managing all of that and and getting everything done in a day because I feel like that's got to be the biggest struggle. It's hard. And I will definitely not sit here and lie and say, if you have good time management, you can do it. Anyone who has horses knows that things are always unexpected. Fires pop up all the time, not literal fires, but you know, metaphorical fires. Yep. And your day never really goes as planned. So again, you just have to be able to adapt to your day and you have to give yourself some grace because there's no way that a person can feed the horses, ride all the horses and take care of the farm and ma- um, communicate with the borders and then make content and run your own business and try to make it interesting when really what you did that day was just get dirty and clean your stalls and just try to wake up in the morning. It's a lot. And I think that's sort of the theme of a lot of the content that I make on my TikTok is to try to show people that I relate to them and that what you see on the internet all the time, the perfect, beautiful, retouched horse farm photos and all of the highlight reels, so to speak, while they're really beautiful and inspiring, it can sometimes make you feel like you're not doing enough. So I definitely lean into my chaotic day and try to tell people, Hey, like I relate to you. (laughs) My day is always crazy. I never get everything done that I'm supposed to get done, but you know, my horses are fed and happy and clean. So that's, that's all we can do. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there's days where the stars align and you can really like move the needle in your business. And other days it's like, it's a win if you just get the chores done. Like if you just do the bare minimum. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when it comes to caring for horses, the hard thing is you have probably a solid, I would say anywhere from two to four hours, depending on the size of your operation of chores and work that needs to be done every single day, no matter what. Right. So you can't wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm feeling really inspired right now. And I'm going to get straight to work on my business. You have to 
go out to the barn and feed the horses and clean the stalls and take care of all that. And then you can come back. To and this. then it's like, shoot, there goes my motivation for the day. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you, you just definitely have to give yourself a little bit of grace in that sense. Definitely. Taking a little break because I am so excited to talk about our sponsor today, Jiv Athletics. Have you heard of them? They provide women the comfort and confidence they deserve within everyday athletic wear, which all starts with what's underneath. Jiv Athletics is an athletic undergarment company that specializes in performance underwear for women. Not only does Jiv Athletics offer ultra premium quality, their undergarments are breathable, wickable, tagless, roll-free, and camel toe proof. Inspired to end constant underwear tugging during a workout or a ride, Jiv Athletics creates undergarment pieces to fit to make wearing yoga pants or breeches all the more comfortable. Using breathable luxe fabrics, this woman-owned brand understands the importance of eliminating unsightly silhouettes with a patent-pending 3D mold spacer that blurs the lines between tech and fashion. I just recently got my first pair of Jiv Athletics underwear and it is the most incredible pair of underwear that I have ever owned. I give all my thoughts and some more information about Jiv Athletics over on my lifestyle page, my equestrian style. But if you want to check out more information and the products that they have, head over to their website at jivathletics.com. That's J-I-V-A-T-H. L-E-T-I-C-S dot com. Thank you so much, Jiv Athletics. You are amazing, and I cannot wait to see you more and more in the horse community. All right, let's head back to the episode. Shifting gears a bit, I know that you enjoy fox hunting. I wanted to talk about it because I feel like it's such a cool activity, but I personally don't know a ton about. It's definitely on my bucket list of things I want to do, but... How did you get into it? And tell me a little bit about your experience with fox hunting. Yeah, of course. So, and I'll start by saying we all call it fox hunting in just colloquial sense, but in the US, it technically is fox chasing just because it's not, it's focused on the hound work and the hound breeding. And we've sort of moved away from the consistent we've moved away from the consistent tradition of always accounting for the Fox, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So in the U S that doesn't really happen as much because there's no need to, it's not like this nuisance problem. So with that being said, when we say Fox hunting, Fox chasing interchangeably, we're referring to Fox chasing in the U S but I actually didn't grow up doing it. I Rode in about every discipline in the English world that you could think of. I was on an equitation team in college. I grew up eventing and paper chasing. And when I was in college, our riding team actually did a fundraiser with the local hunt club, which I'm a part of now, where we invited surrounding hunt clubs to this property that's about several thousand acres and it's owned by the college. And they do bird banding and different outdoor related teaching there. So we had this spring fling fox chase fundraiser and I was able to ride in it. And I had no idea what was going on, but I thought it was so much fun. And I was like, man, why didn't I discover this sooner? 
because growing up eventing, I really loved the adrenaline of cross country and galloping and jumping. And then when it came to dressage, it was like spinach. We all know it's good for you, but does anyone really like it that much? <laughs> like, I don't know. But um, so after that, when I graduated college, I started hunting regularly. I leased a horse for a year and then I bought my own horse and I just became more and more involved in it. And now I am a whipper in, which is part of the hunt staff. So I help to hunt the hounds every time we go out and take care of them in the kennels and things like that. Amazing. For people who don't know a lot about the, like the overall way that fox hunting goes, when you become a member at a club, what is involved in that? Like how often are you going on hunts or chases? And do you have to supply your own horses? Are there horses available for you to use? Does it have to be like in a lease format? How does that work with the horses? Yeah. So typically you would have your own horse that you ride consistently. And depending on the club, in most of the United States, it's the season is from October through the end of March. If you're really far north, it's not during the cold, cold winter months. It's kind of in the warmer times, but it is shaped around when fox are breeding and having their um, pups and the young fox are growing up. So we shape it around that. And people would be surprised to learn how many hunt clubs there are in the U.S. They would say, oh, I live in Texas. We you know they don't have that here. They actually do. And they chase or hunt different quarry depending on where you are. They'll do bear or wild boar, mountain lion, gray fox, red fox, coyote. It's really interesting because it's specific to the area that you're in. So my first tip would be to check out the MFHA website, which is the Master of Foxhounds Association. And they list the hunt clubs by territory. And you can research and look to see what's in your area. And when it, um, you do have your own horse typically, like I said, but often if you contact the hunt and say, I would love to try it, but I don't really have a horse to do it on. A lot of times members will say, you can borrow my horse or take my horse out for a hunt, which can be a little scary to get hop on a horse you don't know. But a lot of these horses are pretty steady considering what they have to go through while we're out hunting. So I would suggest everyone to try it. And the last thing I'll mention is that it's, you don't have to go crazy fast jumping four foot split rail fences the whole time. There are different fields that you can ride in, in almost all hunt clubs where there's a jumping field where you would be keeping up with the huntsman at whatever speed he's going at and jumping everything. Or you can be in a more relaxed and laid back field. They'll call it hilltopping or maybe a second or third field where if you're on a young horse or you're just trying it for the first time, or you just want to go at a more leisurely pace, you can 
do that. And it's not as fast and furious, so to speak. Yeah, that's good to know. Um, Being a part of a hunt club, um, what kind of investment are we talking? So a lot of hunts are actually starting to move towards providing sort of a discounted rate for younger members because it is somewhat of an issue trying to get young people involved in the sport as with some other sort of traditional sports and activities. So in our hunt club specifically, um, I will say that the dues are like 400 or so dollars for people under 30. And so that's really helpful for young people. And that's for the whole year. And we go out and hunt two or three times a week, every week from, you know, October until March. So for people who show horses that putting those numbers in that terms, you're probably like, wow, like that's nothing (laughs) compared to (laughs) a weekend at a horse show. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then, but I can't say that's the same situation for every hunt club, but I do know that they try to make it as accessible as possible Mm -hmm. so that people new people can try it and learn and enjoy it. Yeah. For those listening who want to follow along in your adventures, you have an amazing TikTok account. You have like over 120,000 followers on TikTok, which is amazing. What kind of inspired you to get started on TikTok? Well, I think it all kind of starts the same for most people. You're just messing around one day and decide to post a silly video. And then suddenly one video will go viral, so to speak, and it'll get all these views and you'll start to gain more followers. And I have always leaned into my sense of humor. I kind of have this dry sort of sarcastic sense of humor and a little self-deprecating to some extent. (laughs) And I found that that platform really inspired me on that. I didn't have to make it perfect. I didn't have to edit it and make sure it was just so before I posted it. Mm -hmm. I could just take a very candid, funny video and post it. And people appreciated that. So that is kind of how I got started in it. And I've really gained the coolest community of friends and followers on there. They are just the funniest people. And I see the same people commenting on certain videos and I've gotten to know a lot of them and they are so fun and supportive and I really enjoy interacting with them. That's so cool. I love it. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're super passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about? I would say definitely just fox hunting in general, because I think so many people don't realize that as a group, our focus is on conservation, truly, Mm. because in order to fox hunt and appreciate the wildlife that we learn so much about, you have to have land and space and the area to do that. And because of that, conservation is really important to us. And the MFHA, I know, does a lot of work on a national level and each club works on a individual level to 
conserve habitat in their area and to protect wildlife. So I would love for more people to realize that that's our main goal. And that's why we do what we do so that us and future generations can enjoy the beauty of the environment on a horse. Like Mm -hmm. there's no better way to do it in my opinion. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of opportunity for not only people who have never done anything with riding before and want to get introduced to the equestrian industry, but also for people who maybe grew up with a horse or riding or showing and are wanting to get back into it, but maybe whether, you know, time or finances or geographical location, it's maybe not possible to do it in maybe the way that they grew up doing it. I think it's an amazing discipline that allows people to be able to still be a part of it and still be on a horse and enjoy nature. And it seems amazing. I'm trying to make it a goal that this year I... I experience it. Yeah. Give me a call. We'll go out sometime. (laughs) I would love that. That's amazing. Well, Eden, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and and share your story and a little bit about fox hunting. I think that what you're doing from a fellow social media girl to the other, I love what you're doing on TikTok. I think it's so fun and great exposure for the community and the industry as a whole. So thank you for all that you're doing and I wish you all the best. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And I really enjoyed uh, talking with you about fox hunting and everything else. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.